0: In Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at @kit. We've got a bonus pod for you guys today. Uh interesting interview that I've done with Cat Lucas from the i-newspaper who has written a book, Tottenham from the Lane, the story of Spurs in N17. Uh guys, I got this this book sent to me a few weeks ago. I read it. It is you know, it's it's so informative and it's so fun. It's not a comprehensive history of the club. It's more about the club and its relationship to the community in Tottenham and and how the club was born and kind of where it's been and where it's going. And I, I really encourage folks to pick it up. You can pick it up on Amazon uh, or, or many other places. And we'll link all of that up uh, in our in our Twitter account. So um. Uh, without further ado, I'm not going to keep you here in the preamble for, for too long. Uh, enjoy this interview uh, with Kat Lucas. I'm joined now by Kat Lucas, who is the author of Tottenham from the Lane, the story of Spurs and N17. Kat, thanks so much for joining me on this one.
1: Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh,
0: this book is... It was such a joy for me to read as an American fan uh, who, you know, has, has been a supporter for a few years, but is is doesn't really know all the history of the club and didn't have the opportunity to to grow up in London and be around the club so much. You, you really learn something. And um, it's a book with a little bit of everything, too. There's politics and racial strife and religion and drugs and violence. I mean, you go everywhere with it. Um, and while you say it's not a comprehensive history it really does spell things out really nicely about where this club was, was born and, and where it's going. I'm, I'm curious though, first and foremost, what inspired you to write this book?
1: No, it's, it's interesting you say that. Cause uh, I suppose we're from sort of opposite ends of the world. Um, and my, my family are from actually from Tottenham, a, a, a large part of it. So um, it's something I've personally have kind of always, always grown up with. Um, and a lot of people who have read it are people who are quite local or, you know, they, they sort of were there for a lot of the events or, Elements like that, so it's it's interesting to hear, you know, I suppose another another perspective. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I've been a Spurs fan all my life, unfortunately. Or <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that, um, but you know, uh, so it, it's partly you know it's a labour of love, and it's partly you know given the new stadium, it, it felt quite a timely moment to look at these themes of you know where the club's come from because you know it's completely alien, you know what's what the club is now to to when it was formed, you know and that's not just about spurs, you know that's football as as a whole. So I think it's just you know it's it's a fascinating time to look at where that you know where Spurs have taken all that from the community and and where it kind of fits in now
0: to to that end, you say you've been around Spurs your whole life and and have grown up a fan. know there are a lot of little things that that even i learned from this and and in my years of being a supporter and and studying the club and learning as much as i can from afar um you know little little facts like that the fact that the club wore red shirts before the turn of the century before 1900 which is is kind of funny a funny thing to think about um my favorite one was that that i learned from from this was that the the original cockerel that sat above White Hart Lane was was used as a as a time capsule at one point and kind of met a an untimely demise, um, mm. which which I'll leave I'll leave for people to to you know learn about when they read the book. But what was the most interesting thing as a as a fan growing up around the club that that you learned new in in writing and researching for the book?
1: I think it, it would have to be kind of if you look back at the '60s period. Um, so that was kind of something I've always thought i knew about and i think most fans think you know most spurs fans think they know about it and it's kind of it is it's such a big part of our history that we're all aware of it to some level but i think actually Looking at the ins and outs and what it was like in Tottenham at the time, or even things like on the cup final, you know, when obviously the, the game was at Wembley, but what it was like being in Tottenham on a cup final day and speaking to people who were there, and even you know little things like going to the market in the morning and it was all you know decked out in navy and white and and things like that. So I think yeah, it, it would either have to be that or the sort of very early days, which no one is alive, you know, w- that was there at the time. So kind of going back through the archives and newspapers and and things like that to, to see these parts of the history that you know can't really be passed on now because you know so much of being a spurs fan or supporting any team you pick up from other people and you know particularly if you you know support the same team as all your family and it goes back years and years and years and and that's where you get it from but these earlier parts obviously no one is is aware of anymore so yeah it was it was fascinating to to look into
0: what was that process like, too, as you talk about going back to the to the very early days of the club and just you know, as you say, that nobody who who was around then is is around now just because of the the vast amount of time that has that has you know passed between? What was it like going back to to learn about kind of the birth of Tottenham Hotspur?
1: Yeah, it was it was fascinating. As I say, and I suppose it's funny because there's a lot of things that you you're looking at that you know are in the 1880s or 1890s, and actually they sound so similar to today. So you know them working out where they're going to play and if the stadium's going to be big enough and where are the fans going to come from. You know, they're going to be local people. Are they going to be from you know further afield? And and also I, I suppose half of the the book, as you say, is, is not just about the the club, but it's about Tottenham, the place. Um, and it it was amazing to think of it as you know because it was completely different to what it's like now. So you know, even for someone who's been to Tottenham hundreds thousands of times, it's bizarre to think you know this was somewhere that was completely unrecognisable. This was sort of a small market town, It wasn't even really part of London. It was completely disconnected, and and then just as Spurs were being formed, it had started to get kind of more populated. It was getting links to London, you know, through all the um, the railway and things like that. So. Yeah, it was fascinating to see how you know the clubs develop, but also the the place itself.
0: I'm also so interested, and you do such a great job of spelling this out in the book about during during times of war, because obviously you know the the club history has has lived through those times, and 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 as all football clubs would have. Um, but it, it was so interesting the you know through those times the sharing of stadiums and the and the different use of stadiums, and of course you know even. In modern times, we saw different uses um, because of the the COVID nineteen pandemic. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium was was used for different things other than football. Um, mm-hmm. just take me through some of like what you learned with that, and even you know with with Arsenal coming in kind of at that same time, and and mm-hmm. the, the the club's rivalries kind of being kind of being really born through all of that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a funny time, isn't it? Because obviously, you've got you know after the war is when Arsenal sort of takes Spurs place in, in the first division and that's when they sort of animosity begins but um you know haven't you know once they've moved from south london um which a lot of people still kind of haven't haven't forgiven now um but you know in the first world war particularly that's kind of all put on hold because you know the football was sort of put into perspective and also from you know practically there's you know there's been bombings there's been all sorts of things going on and and back then, as well, you had the munitions um, sector. Of the government could just kind of commandeer whole buildings, so they did it with quite a few places. So not just stadiums, but football was quite heavily affected. So that's what happens with Spurs, and that's why they end up playing at Arsenal, and, and then later, of course, when um, when Arsenal were bombed, vice versa. So it's it's one of those things that it seems so bizarre to think now of Arsenal playing at White Hart Lane or Spurs playing there, but you know, it's just one of those things that that did happen. Um, and the best story I think is the did you see about the ghost of White Hart Lane yes <laughs> yeah it's bizarre isn't it? so yeah there's this it, to this day there's people who like you know swear that there's this ghost dating back to when you know it was used for keeping bodies in the war so it's such a morbid thing to have happened but um Equally, you know, it's part of Spurs were part of the community and, you know, other buildings had to do things like that. So, um yeah. And you have people even now who say that, you know, the old White Hart Lane particularly, there would be these kind of weird noises or like a door would slam or, you know, something like that. So people were convinced that there was a ghost dating back to, to those days.
0: Th- those are the things, too, that make, you know, not just community, but sport, you know, live on and, and those those tales. And it's obviously part of what makes. Spurs and, and Tottenham, you know, so, so linked with one another. I'm, I'm curious because it's, it's the case with, with, with certain communities and certain, um, you know, sporting uh, franchises here in the States as well. But, you know, that, that bond, and obviously you're, you're someone who has, who has felt it for, for your whole life, but that bond, what is, you know, how is it different from, from other places in either throughout the country or even throughout Europe?
1: Well, I think it's it's an odd one, isn't it? Because it kind of changes all the time. So Tottenham, particularly, you know, from, for most of my life, have largely been fans from the south east of England. Um, and it's I'd say it's only sort of the last decade, where if you go to if you went to White Hart Lane or the new stadium, where you did start getting people from kind of elsewhere, um, you know, and that was always the way. At, you know, Liverpool United. If you know you went to any game, you'd get people from all over the world. Um, and it's quite a new development at spurs which is fantastic obviously you know it means that spurs are known throughout the world which they perhaps weren't um you know in a way that they weren't before Um, i think i saw something actually about spurs are you know the the fastest growing club in the states over the last decade or
0: yeah they're one of them for sure
1: yeah so it's um yeah it's 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 interesting how it's kind of changed so it's not just a kind of local dynamic anymore But, you know, it's it's an odd thing as well for the place, because then you do have, I think it says, you know, says about it in the book, how it's odd that on a match day, it's completely different to what it's like throughout the week, because suddenly you've got 60,000 people who aren't there normally, and kind of would never go there, you know, except for 90 minutes, and then they all leave again, and it's back to sort of Tottenham as as it is normally, so...
0: Well, and that's actually leads perfectly into kind of what I wanted to touch on next, because that community itself, it's it's so interesting because as I'm reading it, I'm someone who grew up um, in, in a city on the East Coast of, of the United States called Baltimore, where it, there's a joke that that folks folks from there call it Smaltimore because everyone kind of knows one another. And it's such a it's such a it's a it's a, it's a major city, but it's such a tight knit community. And it felt to me, at least through reading the book that, that there was a connection there. And that, and I, I felt something personally with that, which was, which was great, but it, it feels to me that, that, that Tottenham is a place that, you know, through, through so many different, um, I guess uh, just incidents or whether it's, whether it's the Mark Duggan shooting or whether it's riots going back to, to 1985 has dealt with so much turmoil and so much, um you know whether it's violence or or racial inequity and um i'm curious as to how you know you you talk about the fact that spurs are a growing club throughout the world and people come in on a game day and it's people who normally wouldn't go there but what is how does that relate to the folks who are there and are still dealing with you know the i guess the plight of of living in a city and and maybe not doing as well financially as they might want to and those kinds of things
1: I suppose it's a difficult one because, on the one hand, even those of them that aren't Spurs fans, a lot of local people love having the club, and it's a, a huge thing for for Tottenham as a place. And you know, when there were, was talk of moving Tottenham out, and you know, to East London, that would have been, you know, a, di- a complete disaster for for the that part of London. Um, I, like you say, I suppose it's it's a difficult one because there's also the the for people's day to day lives and a lot of people have said this, there is something kind of slightly odd about, you know, this place in London where people have got so much going on in there, you know, personally, and there's been so many um, events, you know, some of the ones that you alluded to there. And then in the middle of it, you've got this kind of billion pound stadium. And how do those two go together? And, you know, for 90 minutes, you've got a load of footballers turn up who are on kind of hundreds of thousands of pounds a week so there's something slightly um incongruous but I suppose that's part of the club's aim is to to use the stadium for good in in the local area in fact I think just today they've announced there's you know a new development of uh, some flats and a cinema and, and all sorts of things like that so they they are kind of looking to they're aware of that and you know the the kind of odd, odd clash between the two
0: And to try and build that area up. I agree. And, and, and obviously it's not a, I don't think it's a, a, a Spurs problem or a Tottenham problem. It's a, it's a football problem. And that kind of takes me to asking about when this club, you know, as you, as you so brilliantly lay out in the book, the history of it, but when this club kind of turned from football club to f- almost to financial institution and to financial mm-hmm. power. It, it felt like that kind of happened almost at the dawn of when the Premier League was formed in the early 90s. Um, but then even more so when when the current ownership group Enoch took over, um, mm-hmm. or going going on what 20 years now, um, or, or maybe even a little more than that. So I, I guess, what is that? Where, where does that kind of balance come in? Not talking specifically about Tottenham, but but the the club itself, um, you know, and and where that balance is struck between because this is a problem that that I think all all sports franchises deal with. You know, football is a is a money making entity, and and that that relationship between club and money making property for for, for ENIC.
1: Yeah, it's it's an odd one with Spurs, isn't it? Because I think particularly after the semi final defeat, again, it looks like another season without a cup. So it's quite a timely. Point to be discussing that, I suppose, with with Enoch and, and Daniel Levy. But um, yeah, of course, it, it goes back way before them. And you know, like you say, that you know, when the when the Premier League begins in 1992, and Spurs were one of the, the clubs really pushing for that. And and even before that, in the 80s, when they were owned by Irving Scholar, if anything, Spurs. If you had to pick one club in English football that was keen to move football that way, it was probably Spurs. So now unfortunately you know there's a, you know fans might have their opinions about it but that's kind of it, it goes back a, a long way um and now there is that kind of there's that constant difficulty between accepting that that is the landscape now and it is difficult particularly because the landscape now also includes clubs like Newcastle Man City Chelsea i mean even in the semi final you know when they put on ziech and Conte and you think how do you compete with Clubs like this, you know. Um, so it's a difficult one because Enic have kind of kept Spurs quite organic um, and that's that's a good thing. But obviously it's it does make it difficult because where do you blur the line between chucking money at the team and investing and thinking, well, actually, Spurs aren't going to compete if they don't invest at some point. And I think the last two to three years, obviously, since the Champions League final, we've seen what happens when you know, choosing not to invest we've you know, we've seen the the effects of that. So it's a, it's a difficult balance and you can see why a lot of fans feel the way that they do about it.
0: Is, do, do you think that the stadium is the biggest hindrance to that? And not to get into, you know, uh, th- this is, this is about the book and I want to keep it about the book because I think one of the beautiful things that you spell out in the book is the, is, and you, you brought it up earlier, is the potential, um, move to, to the London stadium and, Mm. and how all of that kind of, it was, it was, it seemed like a very precarious time, um, for, as you mentioned, the community of Tottenham and, and of course the, the riots that ensued. And, and, and you said in the book that it's not that it's not that the, the riots following the, 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 the shooting death of Mark Duggan kept Spurs in Tottenham, but Mm. it it certainly had a, a big impact on that. It, that feels like a real kind of, at least in modern Spurs history, talking about the last 20 to 30 years, seems like a real linchpin moment um, as to whether, you know, Spurs were, what what Spurs were going to become and kind of what they still are becoming here as we, you know, head into 2022.
1: Yeah, I think that was a a massively decisive moment. And the board have spoken about that. You know, they've said that when, when all that happened in the summer of 2011, that was what convinced them that they needed to stay in Tottenham. And there was a lot of other factors as well. You know, they were having discussions with the council and and obviously after that, the council were a lot more willing to come to the table, I think, you know, before they were sort of, they weren't overly 100% behind this new stadium development. And then when all that happens in 2011, suddenly they're they're willing to kind of come to the table a bit more. It is a massive event, you know, the, the idea that Spurs could have moved away and and I, I know there was lots of um there were sort of fans outside white hart lane before a couple of cup ties you know protesting and and things like that but it's it is yeah now looking back it seems unthinkable that that could have happened but it was a you know a genuine possibility um i think obviously that there's also the fact that ultimately spurs did go for the olympic stadium and and you know london you know the the mayor of london and, and a few other elements kind of opted for west ham so as easy, you know. Obviously, Spurs had their part in staying in Tottenham, but partly it was out of their hands as well because you know West Ham were, were given the stadium essentially ahead of them. Um, obviously, in hindsight, I think we've seen West Ham fans aren't particularly happy with that either. So, right, you know, and all the the issues with that with, with that stadium, and so you know, in the end, it's it's worked out well. Yeah, for Spurs
0: it certainly seems to have. And of course the, the, the beautiful new stadium, which has been open for a few seasons and, and they're still trying to, to fill. And I guess, you know, b- before I get you out of here, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Like, where do you see, I mean, th- this, this book is such a, I, I, again, you say it's not a comprehensive history. It's so, it's so great. It's so educational and it's so um, really lays the groundwork for where the club has been and, and kind of where you see it going. But where do you see it going now under Enoch and and with this Antonio Conte era kind of underway? I mean, what is, what do you feel is next for this club? I know it's a, I'm asking you to predict the future, which is impossible, but, but uh, where do you see it heading?
1: I think, t- to be honest, I-, I-, I think like I don't mean to be overly pessimistic, but I think in the immediate, <laughs> the immediate short term, um, even with Antonio Conte, it's it's definitely going to take a lot of work on the current squad, and that's always the thing with this. You know, with the-, the the stadium is fantastic, but it's always has to be aligned with the the team itself, and you know, Spurs are only going to be as as popular as the. The team is you know and how they're how well they're playing um so I think it's going to be difficult Uh, you know perhaps I think top four's still an aim this season and perhaps an FA Cup um that's being optimistic (laughs) but (laughs) I suppose that's it's difficult isn't it because in the long term for example with the stadium it it take it will take so long to kind of really see the see that paying dividends um you know in in the next 20 years it you know it may well be a, a fantastic thing for the club and it's a, a game changer like daniel levy said that it would be and um but in the next couple of years i think we're still going to be seeing what we've seen in the last couple of years because spurs are at that kind of difficult moment and you know they are rebuilding and that's that's all you know all clubs have that and unfortunately at the time it's not particularly fun for their supporters <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, spur in the scheme of things, there was a thing actually. Um, I think it was Hugo Lloris was saying how the difficulty with Spurs is because they've put the bar so high now. They you kind of compare them to sort of Liverpool and City and say, oh, you know, they haven't won as much as. But actually, if you look at the clubs like you know Everton, for example, or Villa, think where Spurs have been in the last ten years, and think you know Villa have gone down and come back up, or Everton, you know, look at the mess they're in at the moment and with benitez and, and things like that so spurs have you know done fantastically well for a club of their size but even if you know they're in in a slightly difficult moment for the next 18 months or so yeah but they hopefully- kind of feel like that
0: in between club in between the two yeah. almost which is a tough place to be and and like you said the the stadium is a long-term investment and and it feels like spurs supporters are always making a long-term investment. They're always kind of leaning on that long-term investment uh, of the club. And trust me, you don't have to apologize for being pessimistic. We do plenty of that here on the Tottenham Depot. Uh, it's 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 part of the nature, I think, of be, of just being a Spurs fan, as you well know. Cat uh, Lucas, thank you so much for 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 jumping on with us today. Where where can people find the book um, so, so they can get it in their hot hands? Because honestly, they they will want to. This is this is such a a fun a fun read and a and a fun piece of work that you've done here.
1: So it's on uh, Waterstones, definitely do it. I think they do it internationally as well. And it's on Amazon as well. So if you look on on either of those, uh, and in the UK, it's also on Smiths and a couple of other places. But yeah, Amazon or Waterstones for for the international fans.
0: Excellent. We will, we will throw a link up uh, on our Twitter account and uh, you can, you can follow her work at cat underscore Lucas underscore as well. Uh, Cat Lucas, thank you so much for, for, for joining the Tottenham Depot today to talk about this book Tottenham from the lane, the story of Spurs in N17. Thank you. There you have it. That's my interview with Cat Lucas of the i-newspaper. You can follow her again at cat underscore Lucas underscore on Twitter, uh, she does great work. And again, go pick up Tottenham from the Lane: The Story of Spurs in N Seventeen. A really fun read, and uh, learned a lot of things in there. Uh, as an American Spurs fan, I mentioned it during the interview. It's, it's, it really brings you closer to the club. Uh, reading something like this and, and getting a little bit more informed, and uh, it was a really enjoyable, enjoyable read. And I'm not, I'm not one to. To, 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 just pick up a book and read it. Um, but uh, this one was, was fun and, and we, we were happy to have Kat on. Thanks again to her. Uh, at, we will be back with you this weekend when, when Spurs uh, take on Arsenal uh, until then, as always come on you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on you Spurs.